everything all together, it was, it took such a toll. And I realized then, it was 2011, that I I couldn't recognize myself anymore when I looked at myself in the mirror. It was somebody else. My face was swollen. My fingers were swollen. I was totally swollen. Um, I weighed about 126 kilos was the worst. Uh, so that is... Welcome to No Finish Line, a podcast with John O'Regan, sponsored by Great Outdoors Dublin. Hello and welcome back to No Finish Line podcast, featuring athlete interviews and discussion on running, training, travelling and adventure, and I'm your host, John O'Regan. In this episode, I'm talking to Paula Wright. Paula is an international ultra runner. She represents Finland. And she's living in Ireland. Now, this podcast is a little bit different to most of what I do. Actually, all of the podcasts that I do. And it was totally unplanned. I was interviewing Paula last week for a different podcast. I was doing an athlete interview. Because, as I mentioned, Paula is an international level athlete. She represented Finland in the 24-year World Championships in Albi, France back in 2019. She has a 24-year PB of 219 kilometers and a couple of meters which means that she is just short of what would be the international A standard. So that's quite a distance, that's 220 kilometres in 24 hours, so you could imagine what that takes. So when I was researching Paula last week for the athlete interview, I found out a few bits and pieces from Paula's history, and they kind of shocked me. I was really, really surprised because I'd met Paula at quite a few races, and anybody who does ultra running in Ireland or marathon running has crossed paths with Paula before. I think she has ran over 100 official marathons. That's not just marathon distance runs, that's the official marathons. She has ran distances from 50k, 100k, 12 hours, 24 hours. She's done trail races. So she's always out there running, but she wasn't always a runner. And maybe 10 years ago, Paula was a totally different person to what she is now. And for those of you listening in Ireland, This is more of an operation transformation type story and I was actually blown away by what I read because it's not the person that I know and I was kind of in disbelief first of all having having read it and seeing Paul in action and I think in 2019 I presented the national championship medals at the Irish 24-hour championships up in Belfast and Paula was the women's national champion now as I said she's from Finland but she's living in Ireland and she's a member of an Irish athletics club down in County Tipperary and that's why she is eligible for the national championship so again she is national champion and she has very very close to the international A standard for 24 hour racing But she was not a runner. And if you were to read the story that I read, you will see how amazing this is. So, Paula, welcome to the podcast. And thanks for agreeing to talk to me again, because I just knew that this is a big story. And I think that I don't use the word inspiring much. Actually, I don't think I've ever used it in any of the podcasts. This one is totally different to all I've done. And thanks for agreeing to it. And as a start, can you tell us a little bit about Paula Wright? Let's go back to Finland. 
were you involved in sport in Finland or what did you do? Hi, John. Um, nice talking to you again. Um, yeah, so um, I'm from Finland. Um, I'm kind of from northern Finland. Um, so we have lots of forests and lakes there. And I'm from a small town. And um, with sports, I wouldn't have done anything major. We played ice hockey and we skied and we ran a bit. We did a bit of athletic, a kind of uh, tasted a bit everything, you know. But then uh, I was in teens. I I did go running for a few races, but it was just uh, one or two, and I wasn't anything specifically good or you know. Then going to teens, I really didn't want to do any sport. Even at school, it was like a punishment <laughs> more than anything. And then it was kind of you know studying and. Hanging around with friends, that's what I did. I wasn't doing any sports. Um, and I suppose the years went on. I was in my 20s. I, I lived in Sweden. And then we moved to Ireland. We moved here in 2000. So, yeah, I wasn't doing any sports when I came here either. And, yeah, that was about to change. My life was about to change. I, I got placed to university. So I decided I went back to study law and accounting and everything changed then because I had been working and doing other bits and I kind of ended up back to school as a Matthew student and then I realized I was expecting my first child so with all the stress and I had a baby and I was studying nights evenings and I had a teething baby with me and you know it was kind of um yeah, it was hard for years uh, doing all that with very small support um, because I'm from Finland. I don't have family here. And then my husband, he's just limited help. And he was working two jobs and I was studying. So we were kind of, you know, swamped into our situation. And um, so, no, I, I wasn't doing any sports. Um, I, I graduated then with honors in from UL and I got a job and then um actually that was just a just a temporary job. Um and then things started to go wrong really. And I think by that stage I had been normal weight but then it was kind of piling up. My weight was just piling up and I I wasn't I cannot say that I was really unhealthy. But I, I wasn't moving um, anything. I wasn't doing anything specific. And I was eating normal food. Um, I wasn't going out or anything because, you know, I had a child already that stage. And then I was smoking. So I went back to cigarettes. So I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. So, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't really healthy. So I, if I would be walking, I would be okay. But if I would have to run, I would be, you know, <laughs> breathless. Um, things started going wrong. I first of all, uh, I nearly got electrocuted at work. It was um, they had a kind of a flooding, and we were trying to save stuff, and there was electricity on, and I kind of knew I might be pregnant again but yeah I was and I then a few weeks after 
I miscarried then. And I think the experience itself was absolutely horrific because I'm actually happy to be alive, we say this way, when when you're left alone on your devices and uh, you are afterwards so weak that you can't get off the bathroom floor, it's uh, pretty bad. But I um, after that, I got pregnant again and miscarried again. And by that stage, my weight was going up. And then I got pregnant and I, I had my child. So I don't think I had any break. I was stressed out. I was um, sad. I was everything altogether. Um, and then I had another child. So with the recession, with the pregnancies, then top of it, all the loss and sleepless nights. And... What else did I have? Yeah, it was like, yeah, breastfeeding. I think everything all together, it was, it took such a toll. And I realized then it was 2011 that I, I couldn't recognize myself anymore. When I looked at myself in the mirror, it was somebody else. My face was swollen. My fingers were swollen. I was totally swollen. Um, I weighed about 126 kilos was the worst. Uh, so that is 227 pounds, 19.8 stones. Um, so it was a lot. It's close to 20 stone. Yeah, yeah. And I had pregnancy diabetes. With all my pregnancies, so I was told by the doctors that you probably will end up with diabetes uh, later on in your life. And I had high blood pressure and I mean, I I really, I and I had stopped the smoking when I had, you know, before the miscarriages and then going into the Pregnancies. That was the time when um, the smoking was stopped in the box, too. And so I was. Uh, everything was in a mess in my body. Totally, it was like I, I, I even cannot explain to anybody how it is. But it's like you take things and you put in the bag, and you never empty the bag. You just put stuff in, and nothing else happens. So I I just was stuck in that and I didn't know which way to get out of it from the circle. I was this kind of baby group and they were giving diet tips as people do to each other. I do this, I do that. First of all, I tried some low-fat diets and um, nothing much was happening. I was very hungry. Um, then... Some people started with the keto, you know, low-carb diet. And I was like, okay, this sounds great. And I I jumped into it. And it was quite a tough, um, I found it anyway. I mean, I'm sure there's people who can do these things, but I found it was, it wasn't working because I was very tired all the time. It was I had no energy. It was like a slow burn. 
Um, I did lose some weight with it, but it was quite a quite a hard on my body. I had started walking; nothing happened. I I took gym membership to a swimming pool, so I went swimming. Nothing happened really, and then I just like I have to do something which I can get really my heart rate up. And one day I just put my shoes on and went out and decided, will I run a bit? So obviously it was like a one. That must have been a very hard decision to make then with the running because if you were carrying so much weight, that would make the running harder. Yeah, it was very hard now. And being honest, the shoes I had start were not a proper shoes for running. So I could feel on my arches, my my arches were not happy, and um, obviously after smoking and doing nothing, I, I mean, I I ran like 50 meters, and I was totally breathless. I had to walk. How did you feel then when you stopped after that 50 meters? Did you think again, I'm failing yet again with something? Yeah, it was. I kind of had in my mind that okay, I walk as long as I can get my breathing back, and that I feel I can go again. So I I was challenging myself and then there came kind of a rhythm. If I run 50 meters in next lamppost, I walk and then I run again for the lamppost after that. And it kind of came more, you know, rhythmic that, you know, obviously first I ran 50 meters and then I had to walk how long ever and then you know get back into it but I think the best thing I did was um, go get good shoes I I knew that my feet were killing me so I I got some uh, proper running shoes at the time obviously I moved on loads from those shoes and everything I mean nowadays I wouldn't wear those shoes anymore what I wore those days but they were yeah they were good for the job and um I didn't have any, I was recording my running on my, I got an app for my phone. I mean, you don't need a fantastic watch or things to go when you start these things. I think people complicate stuff too much. Let's go back a little bit now. I feel somewhat underqualified now to be talking to you and asking you questions. So you're going to have to be a little bit patient with me with some of this. And I just hope I don't say the wrong thing. But... Everything seemed to be going wrong for you. I suppose nobody can blame you for putting on the weight. How were you feeling when the weight was going on or were you noticing that was happening to you? What was the turning point when you actually realised that I have to do something? Well, the turning point was I actually took a photo of myself looking at the mirror. I knew when I had gone finding clothes and shops and, I mean, nothing would fit and I my waist I think the problem I mean I didn't have issue uh, myself that I was bigger I didn't have issue with that Would you say that's because as you were getting bigger you were adapting your clothes to fit you so Yeah I was but the problem was really my waist because nothing could stay up it sounds horrible but like if you have pants it you have round waist, they won't stay up. They start falling down. Um, so, I mean, 
it, it, it it's very frustrating if you have tights, for example, and they are even if they are right size, they won't fit you right. You are pulling them up, <laughs> um, so you basically wouldn't have to wear nearly a dungarees to keep them up. Um, so it, it, this kind of stuff it was really annoying, and then I knew I was overweight, but. I didn't think I was that overweight in the sense, you know, because you are you and you you don't see like how everybody else. It's like if you had a little puppy in the house and you're seeing it every day, you don't notice it getting bigger. But if you no. went if you went away for a weekend and came back, you'd notice the difference in the size of the pup. And that's probably yeah. the same thing. Your mindset is evolving with the way you're growing. And I don't think yeah. anybody notices themselves getting older or the hair growing, all those little things, mm. all of a sudden it's just there. And what you mentioned yeah. about this thing with diets, like all these fad diets, and you can see it in magazines uh, every week. How yeah. is there always a new diet or the best way to do this, the best way to do that? And, yeah. and what I can't understand is you'll see a magazine and diets are always advertised on the cover of the magazine and it'll tell yeah. you what is the best. Somebody buys that magazine and then the following weekend there's a new best and then they go to that and the same thing happens with somebody with a training plan they'll be following a training plan mm. and they'll see what somebody else is doing think that sounds great and they'll start doing that so they're not sticking with the one thing and that's I suppose a problem with diets and then what you mentioned mm. about something like the, the keto diet when you're mm. cutting out carbs which is what you yeah. not have an energy and if you don't have the energy to move Mm. You don't have that ability to actually be born in calories the way you should be, which is true activity. Mm. Now, I'm wondering, what's kind of surprising me here now is when you said you started running, I would be thinking that running would be a really difficult exercise for somebody who is a 20 stone to just start mm. because it feels like so much of an effort that it's easier mm. to feel like you're failing or you're not able to do it. boy walking is something that anybody should be able to do. And mm. you only need to do small bits. So I would have been thinking that running was a barrier to the exercise because it's that bit more difficult. But you started running then to lose weight and to mm. both improve your fitness in some way. When did you feel fit enough or strong enough after you started to be able to maybe cover a distance of 5K? Did that take you long? It did. Yeah, it did. So I, I started that um, 2012 springtime. And I the 5K was the big goal for me. And to run 5K without stopping. And it wasn't about time or anything. It was just a personal success in the sense that I did not stop, you know. Obviously, later on, I have realized that it's okay to walk, too, if you're doing long yes, distances. Yes, once you're moving. You know, do you watch yeah. Operation Transformation? I do. I do. I do, indeed. Um, yeah, and what do you I be do thinking indeed. when you're watching that? Say, like, they did a 5K towards the end of it. And does that bring back memories to you? Can, can you empathize with how they're actually uh, dealing with the running and other parts of the program? It's huge. I mean, and I'm when I'm looking at them, I'm always thinking, how lucky are they? Because they have all these um, people, pros, helping them on the way. Um, nutritionists, doctors, um, they have all these people there to help them 
on the way. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have had them because I definitely would have done different, differently things, loads of things. And it's amazing. Like, um, and I can feel the frustration because it is not easy. Change is not easy. You know, um, going with the flow and letting things go, go is easy. But changing your life around, changing your nutrition, changing your daily routines, starting to exercise, none of it is easy. And, uh, yeah, I we watch um, Operation Transformation every year. And it's so nice to see people. And it's so nice to see them succeeding. Everybody is different, obviously. And um, everybody... You know, changes for everybody is different, but but they are all all success stories. How I see it, you know, but yeah, I can I can relate. I can relate to them all. Let's go back to something you said there about how lucky they were to have that uh, support system around them. When you started running, you were on your own. When did you start getting company on your exercise? Um, I, I run alone always. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, it's, and that's maybe one of the reasons I ended up doing so many races because I could meet other people, you know, sometimes I ran with them, like lots of marathons I did, I was running with other people, but then those bodies I had, some of them. So you created a support network by going to these events? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were, it was also social outlet because obviously, you know, I I don't really go out or do any other things where I could meet people. So it was my social outlet and also it supported my running Um you know, I got my exercise fitness there and yeah, yeah. And also loads of friends. Very important. Absolutely. Were you connecting with these people then on social media, Facebook? Yeah, yeah. And when you were connected with the running group, were you still checking in with the groups that were dealing with diet? No. No. So you shifted from one to the other. Yeah. And I suppose that probably had a more positive effect on your your mindset and your outlook. Absolutely. And, you know, it wasn't anymore about, you know, um, losing weight because obviously this group's what I was in with uh, at the start were all about how children were developing and how the moms were losing weight and, you know, all about that family life. But then I kind of, I had come back to work um, and then I had started running. So my life kind of went to different direction than many others. So I, I, I wasn't anymore, you know, putting time that I was kind of learning more from the runners, you know, what, I, what do you should be fueling and, you know, more relevant information for myself. I suppose so. I was I was getting that from the from the right circle where I had entered. So you started to 
train the weight off rather than trying to starve it off. Yeah, definitely. You you know, it's a funny one when you, when you okay, obviously the watches are not 100% either, but sometimes you go running and you see how many calories would you have burned. You know, I, I don't know if they are really accurate, but I'm sure they give some kind of indication, you know, how much. And obviously it's not all about, you know, calories and calories, it's good calories and bad calories. And, you know, it's... um. You know, you you learn as you go. That's the only way to do like this. You learn new things and you talk to people. And then I started reading uh, from internet, getting more information, um, how I should be feeling, for example. So it is a it is a learning curve on many ways. When do you think did you actually start enjoying the running? Did it take long before you were? getting that runner's high or did that ever happen? Um, I got my first runner's high when I finished my first race ever. I remember that feeling. It was um, it was a Limerick mini marathon. It, it was a five mile race and that was um, 2013. So I had started running about a year and a half before and um, then I ran that five-mile race, and I actually wasn't going to sign up for it. But I had two friends who who were going to go there, and they were like, oh, you should come. And to me, I was always thinking, because I was still, you know, a bit bigger, and I was thinking that, you know, all these um, real athletes are running in these races, you know, these fast people who belong to athletics clubs you know I had this vision and I you know when I felt I wasn't not going to be good enough going in anything like this but um, when I went there um, I realized oh that's every kind of people here you know Um, every age group every size every anything and and you know nobody cares so I actually had a good enough run you know considering I I hadn't been running that many years before. So um, I enjoyed it. And I remember I finished it and I was like, oh, this was so much fun. <laughs> you know, I was all, all delighted of myself, you know. And I was so happy afterwards. I was like, oh, where's the next race, you know. Um, totally delighted of myself. Yeah, that definitely was the one to remember my first race and yeah I I got the high at the first first run ever. I think that is key to success and longevity with health, fitness, weight management is finding something that you like doing. Like running might not be for everybody, but there is a sport there I think for everyone, whether that's yeah. so not just a sport but an activity, whether it's walking, hill walking kayaking cycling just I mean, once you're actually moving and getting out doing something regularly so when you came back from that run what did you do next did you keep training or did you pick another event and kind of aim for that i think it was only a couple of weeks after i oh it was in shanna golden in limerick there was a it could have been another five miler so i signed up for that and we i went down there and that was a great day again i just loved it and 
it's just these few small races uh, close by. I went down and then you realize that you meet the same people, you know. And it was kind of like a new world open to me. It was totally different. Obviously, I hadn't done that before. And it's a very welcoming world. It was. And I, I mean, I felt I was welcomed. You know, I, nobody was, you know, judging of whatever, about your pace or about what size you are or nobody judged where I'm from or, you know, we were all there to run. And then, you know, these small races, there is a cup of coffee and some buns afterwards uh, in some community hall. Uh, it's just lovely. I, I mean, it's just so nice. And people chatting, you know, if you don't know anybody, you will know somebody afterwards. Um, very friendly, very, very friendly. So, yeah, it was totally different. For me and um yeah it was you had a total flip there with your mindset like a, a paradigm shift you started off running to improve your health mm. and improve your fitness so you were doing that uh, maybe lo- lose some weight as well obviously so you were you started mm. exercising to lose weight but then you found something that you like doing and then yeah. instead of doing the activity to lose weight you were losing mm. weight by doing the activity so yeah. there is something different yeah. there. I think that can be compared with someone maybe, say, getting married or dieting to, you know, it's not just women, it's men as well. So say dieting to fit mm-hmm. into their wedding suit. But then when the wedding yeah. is over, they just go back to the yeah. way they were because they've, they've achieved their, their goal, which is maybe a short term goal. But there's nothing to keep that longevity in it. Where boy, if you're all the time going out and doing these races and you're looking to get mm. what we call a PB a personal best improving mm. on your time all the time or maybe just maintaining what you have mm. that you've a reason to be sticking with the activity that you're doing and the byproduct of the activity you enjoy doing is your weight management and improved health and fitness when did you decide on doing your first marathon? Yeah after the first few races um I kind of started running a bit more, so I was I was going over 10k then on my training runs and enjoying what I was doing. And the same people I was um, I went to run the first race I ever did, they were actually signing up for Limerick um, half, and that's always in um, uh, May, start of May, the bank holiday, and um, they were planning to do the half, so. They were like, oh, you should you should do too. Like you you will be well able. And I was like, okay. I was I had been running, um, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen k, and I was like, okay, it's only a few k more, really. So um, yeah, I signed up for the Limerick half then, and I I went and I ran that, and straight away after the Limerick half, um friend of mine who who was same person again she was like oh that was so good fun and <laughs> she and her she's husband, a bad influence she was she was and you know she got me to do my first race she got me to do the first half and she got me to do the first marathon too and um she was like 
Dublin Marathon is in October and we were in, in May and she she was like, okay, I'm me and my husband, we are going to do it. And I was like, if you can do it, I can do it too, you know. <laughs> and then I decided to run it for um, Diabetes Ireland. Um, so I had a kind of goal also to raise some money and run the race. And then, unfortunately, my friend, she had to pull out then. Um, she had a bit of a, I think it was something wrong in her leg or something went wrong. Um, so she had to pull out. So she never ran the race. <laughs> but I was signed up and I had all this money um, <laughs> collected. So I was like, okay, fine. So, um, yeah, that that was then my um, first marathon. <laughs> Brilliant. And then you ran... Your first ultra marathon in 2015, that was a 100 kilometer race in Tralee. What made you think that you could run 100 kilometers, which is twice the marathon distance plus two times your five mile race? Yeah. Um, well, after the after Joplin, I, I was feeling, I, I think I got a bit of a shock there because obviously. Marathon is a different thing. I never seen a, people hitting the wall, and I remember it was very warm, a humid day, and there was a lot of um, suffering and going on after thirty k. And I, um, I actually had the Dublin. <laughs> that was a funny one. The, I, I went. To, I was queuing to the toilets uh, in there for some reason. I think I had drank too much water and everything. And I was queuing to the toilets and um, I was on the last wave. And the last wave had started and gone by the time I got to the toilet and out from there. So I was probably the one of the last ones to start. So I was there chasing everybody, you know. So by the time we hit the 30-kilometer mark, um, I had caught up to a good few people and the suffering was real there, so I saw a whole carnage, basically, and um, and I think I was I was so overwhelmed by the whole experience and seeing everything and the fact that I finished, and then obviously I was very sore. Um, thank God I don't live in a two-story house. I have to say that, but I was there a few days, and I was like, oh, never again. That was a that was uh, madness, you know. And um, so it went a few months from that. And I saw then there was uh, two races, a package in, in Kerry. That was the 10-miler, Valentine's Day, and then the marathon. So I, I signed up for that. I decided, OK, let's go again. And um, afterwards, the same organizer had the 100K. Uh, and um, I was there looking at it, and I was like, oh, there's no way. But then I saw the um, buckle, belt buckle. There were um, every everybody who finished will have, and I was oh, I need that buckle. You know, it was a, a fancy thing, and I never had anything like that. And I was like, that would be amazing thing to get. So yeah, I signed up for it, and the person um, Brian Brian O'Shea in Tralee, he was said, telling me at it's fine with the ultra. It's fine with the hundred k. You just run, walk, run, walk, and and the lads in um, Born to Run from Tralee, they were posting the training plan 
So I was following the training plan. I was doing what they suggested. And I was doing long ones, long, slow runs um, with the walk, run, run, walk system. So it's like uh, 25 minutes running and then five minutes walking. And I was like, you know what? I'm in 100K. I can walk and, you know, stop and, you know, whatever you need to be doing, take my time if that's needed. So, yeah, I wasn't really expecting anything anything amazing to happen there but it, it went okay I mean I I had my moments there and I had a few breaks and everything but yeah I survived <laughs> yeah and then in 2019 you represented your home country of Finland in the 24-year world championships so you've gone mm. from struggling to run 50 meters in the beginning mm. to representing your country on in a world championship yeah. You have dropped in your dress size, I see here, from size 22 down to size 8. You've completed mm. over 100 marathons, and that's from somebody who has been giving a warning from their doctor that you're almost mm. at the point of no return or approaching it. What mm. tips would you give to someone who feels that they want to go out and maybe do some exercise, but maybe thinks that they can't? What barriers do you think are perceived to be in the way but aren't actually there? What advice would you give? If you were going to be talking to yourself again, what would you say to yourself? Yeah, get a hobby, which you can do. You know, get a hobby. What If you are, for example, I am a busy woman. Like I, I'm working full time and I've been homeschooling here and... You know, sometimes you feel everything is against you. There's so much going on. But if you want to continue with something, you need it to be something that you can uh, do it easily. You know, that it's it's possible to be done. Um, If you find that there's a lot of uh, barriers, don't try to get a hobby where you, you need too much effort to get there. You know, for example, if you are not living close to kayaking place, don't start kayaking because you're no, never going to get there. You know, if you have a busy life, uh, it's not worth the hassle. You know, if you have a family and you want to go kayaking and you don't have time for it, I'm sure they don't appreciate it. You know, you need to have a hobby which you are able to do. So check what's going on in your area. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we have a lot now going on with uh, online, all sort of uh, exercising classes and everything possible. You know, I mean, we don't need to even leave the house anymore to be able to exercise and be, you you know, shown what to do and even told you're doing it wrong, you know. It's it's so it's easier that way, but um, definitely otherwise, when we are allowed to do stuff, see what is out there. You know, um, obviously it's good to be um, supporting all the local people because and uh, small businesses and for example some um, some for example PE teachers whatever. Uh, trainers, 
body coaches if they are in the local area and if they haven't got the people following them. Uh, it, it's hard for them to do their business at these times when everything is online and these people who are better organized can take the business. So obviously, if you can support somebody locally, that's a that's a bonus too for them. But um, yeah, and get in contact with people who who understand what you need. You know, if you have a coach, for example, you need to you need to understand each other. You know, sometimes it's good that you have a different point of view. Maybe it can be. It can you can educate each other and learn, but you know if it's difficult, um, it's not worth it. You know it it needs to be good for your soul and mind too. You know everything which starts to be more headache than the uh, benefit, then it's not good for you. And um, and I think. The most important is get the basics right. I think a lot of us are stressed out. Um, there's so much going on, stress in life. Um, so, for example, sleep. So, I, I I truly believe in good sleep, that if you can get your sleep, um, you, obviously that will lessen your stress hormones in your body. That means your body will work better. That means you, you know you you will be skinnier than if if you're stressed out all the time. And sleep is easier if you've been active, getting some bit of exercise. Yeah. I found there one evening that I had a very boring day, and I was starting to fall asleep on the couch. And then when I went up to bed, I I was wide awake and I, I couldn't sleep. And what was really wrong with me was it was was a lack of oxygen. So I wasn't yeah. really tired. I was, I suppose, drained rather than tired as mm. boredom. But with the first lockdown, I mm. noticed that my weight was starting to creep up a little bit. And I couldn't figure out why, mm. because I was still running as much. But then I realized that because I was working from home, I wasn't as active as I was when I was working in the office. Because I wasn't walking mm. to the bus stop or the train station, walking from there to the office. I wasn't going out for my lunch break and walking around town. Yeah. I wasn't walking as far to use the toilet. I wasn't. All these little things were being taken away from me. So I yeah. have a step counter on my watch, which most people have now. They yeah. have them on their phones. And I never really so felt a need for that because I was always active. But it was mm. it was the step counter that let me see how inactive I was. So it. Normally, it's telling you many steps you do, but it was telling me how many I wasn't doing. And I've since corrected that. So I make Mm. sure that I get the bit of extra activity done. Are there Mm. any dietary changes that you feel have helped you get to where you are now? Yeah, I suppose uh, I'm more careful about my um, milk products because um, I do have a lactose intolerance. So that definitely is something I need to be careful about and then often with the link with the lactose intolerance there's a gluten intolerance too now i do believe we all need carbs but it's obviously what kind of carbs you eat i do try to eat sometimes dark pasta and you know i i love bread i but i try to eat dark bread 
and I eat a lot of vegetables. I I started eating more and more. Now last two years I I love vegetables and I don't eat so much uh, fruit anymore. Um, and then I do eat meat, any meat. I do feel that chicken and fish feels better in my stomach. Um, I'm not big eater for red meat. I I just don't know why. I never been the best with that. But like I I think we kind of eat, eat the same way in the house. I mean, we always have the same meal for everybody, and I think it's very important that everybody sits down and have the same meal. Sometimes we have less healthy options. We do have rarely put sometimes takeaways, but we do that. But we try to eat healthy, and um, I do believe that we we should eat regular um, meals. You know, I I I mean, you know, you could be having these that you're so and so many hours not eating and then eating, but um, you have to be careful what you do your body because you. you you can end up doing um, damage that you can't reverse. And that's what you were probably close to doing as yeah. well. So would you say that portion size is an issue or how would you rate that with importance? Yeah, well, portion size is obviously linked how much you move. Like portion, yes. I mean, you can eat vegetables as much as you want, but it's the, I suppose, and also you need protein. So I think it's with the carbs, it's the portion size. If you go crazy with carbs, yeah, I I notice myself that I will get very bloated. Um, But like, and it's, I think it's more the other stuff, really, what you eat, like sauces, if you have the meat in the sauce. And what is in that sauce? That's the bottom, right? If you start cooking at home and you have the regular stuff on the plate, um, even if it's a bigger plate, but if you're exercising, you're fine. But it, I truly think that everything extra, you put the sauces and the... What you're talking about there then is the energy balance. Like where, like carbs mm. can sometimes have a, a bad rap, but it's anything eaten in excess is going to add to yeah. weight gain. And carbs are important because they are the body's preferred energy source and we do need them for activity and if you're not consuming enough carbs you are going to feel sluggish like if you were out running today and Mm. you weren't properly refueling which is what we call it when we're eating Mm. after a training session but if you don't properly refuel then you're not going to have that energy back in the muscles Mm. to help fuel the activity the next day and then it's going to have it pose a negative effect because you can't do what you want to do so there is a balance there where you need to match the expenditure with what you're actually consuming but then what you're saying there about the type of meals you're having if you stick to some kind of a routine and you have a fairly balanced diet and you you're having bits of everything eventually you will start to find your level there's a saying that water finds its level and if you know that you're feeling a bit sluggish during a run then maybe, you know, okay, well, look, I do need to start eating a bit more. If you're starting to feel bloated, you know, okay, well, I need to be doing a bit less. And mm. you do, I suppose, find your level. Now, 
I just this mentioned what we're talking about now is what we have found works and it's not it's not really nutritional advice we're just I suppose mm. this is really tips and stuff that's worked for you my interpretation mm. and yeah, for somebody absolutely. for somebody listening to this don't just listen to it in the same way as Paula mm. has been saying she was looking at some of these Facebook yeah. groups because you have to exactly. you have to find something and stick with it but I think that you get people looking for I know you're saying not to be putting sauce with your dinner but we have what's called the secret sauce or the magic bullet that is just going to fix mm. all your problems mm. there really isn't that magic bullet but the closest thing no. you'll get to it is exercise regardless yeah. of what that is and if you have a job that is fairly manual, you don't like exercise is something that we have to add into our lives to replace the stuff that we don't do. And most of us now have fairly well, sedentary lives. And especially now with the way things are, like there's, there's a lot more people working from home or out of work, so they're not as active. So the activity has been removed from our lives. And that's what we need to put it back in, which is exercise. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm working home from home, and it's um, it's a it's a serious issue, totally. And I agree with you. I can't give anybody what they should be eating. That's why, uh, exactly. I wish I would have had at the time somebody nutritionist person who is qualified to say what do I need, you know, um, to say how how to go forward, and um. But if you don't have anybody, I think it's people, people need to be tuned into their bodies yes. too, you know, you need to be, if you notice I'm that you're swollen, for example, you feel like you're, you're bloated, you know, just, I suppose you could make a, for example, a diary, what you've been having and check, for example, you know, the basic things, how much salt did you have, you know, or have you had enough water or, you know, these things, keep things iron. What is it which makes you feel bad, you know? And obviously now for us women, <laughs> unfortunately, there's stuff going on um, in our monthly circle that which is totally out of our, you know, control. And it is hard to sometimes to, you know, um, you can't do much for it, but at least you can forgive yourself when you see, okay, it's that time of the month coming up. I do feel a bit bloated. It's okay. That's life. You know, that's the other side of it. We have to kind of... Yes, and you have a reason, something that you can... Okay, yeah. but that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, and you have to forgive yourself, but have to be aware what is happening, you know, in your body. Why, why is this this and why is that that and could I fix it how can I fix it what have I done wrong you know it's um, that's what we can try to do anyway I forgot to ask are you still smoking no <laughs> no long time ago uh, that was done um, uh, before my miscarriage there in 2008 so um, yeah I've been it's been the best thing ever. I can't believe, like, I, I mean, I smoked so long time, so long time. And um, nowadays, I don't miss it. I mean, I sometimes I can smell cigarettes somewhere and I'm like, oh, yes, I, I used to smoke 
<laughs> you know, it comes in your mind like, oh yeah, I did, but yeah, I I don't miss it. No, I'm happy. Your friend that got you to do all the races, does she ever say to you, Bon Paula, just have one cigarette? <laughs> she used to smoke too. <laughs> if she asked you to have a cigarette, then you probably would. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't actually. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, going back to smoking is never going to happen. I think um, I, I'm gone beyond that. That's something now I, yeah, it's not... It's not me anymore. I, I used to say I smoke as long as I, time I want to, but yeah, it, it's gone. It's all gone. Like <laughs> When you started to lose the weight and you yeah. were noticing this, did at any time it start to feel like an addiction, that you were getting addicted to weight loss? How did you stay in control of what you were doing? Um, I wasn't too obsessed now. I was monitoring what I did, but I never had, like, um, I never went too far. I never starved myself or I didn't do anything, that kind of stuff for myself. Um, I suppose so, I want to be a good role model for my kids. So to me, I'm responsible for them too, you know, and I wanted to give the best possible uh, example for them. So... Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't feel like going mad over it, you know, and I don't. That's yeah, good to hear I, because I do think that does happen and people yeah. go from one extreme to the other. And I think that what has helped you to stay in control as well is the fact that you found an activity that you like doing and your weight mm. loss, again, was a result of your activity. It was fueling your running. So it was being trained off. It wasn't being starved off. So you, mm. you were actually losing the weight in the excess weight is stored energy, whether that's the carbohydrate, which is stored as glycogen in the muscles. And then we also have excess, which is stored as fat, which again, in turn, is broken down into a fuel if we run out of carbohydrate. And I think that over time that that's what you have done, that you have been utilizing that excess fuel storage that you have had. And I think that's what has helped you to stay in control. Mm. How many marathons sure. are you on now? Um, I stopped counting when I stopped went counting. over 100. Okay. <laughs> now, the reason I asked yeah. that as well is because, you know, you can kind of see, it could it be an addictive personality? Mm. But you can see now that, you know, say some people say they have addictions or the addictions have them. So you got mm. to the 100 and, yeah, you, you achieved your target. You didn't stop. Yeah. You kept going. But I suppose you're making what you do count rather than counting mm. what you do and that's yeah. down to no, having a love of the sport it. yeah no I, I i was really wanted to get on it and um i got that uh 2019 in cork marathon that was my hundredth there and then i did a couple of them going up to albi and um then few after that and then obviously everything packed up last year. So, but I, I kind of wonder 2020, I had in my mind that I won't be doing so many of them. Um, and yeah, well then everything <laughs> happened. So I really wasn't going to do so many of them. But um, yeah, the 100 was a big thing. I think I have 106 now or something. But yeah, 
I've stopped there. That's quite an achievement. Again, when you look back at your backstory, 106 mm. marathons, you've ran 50k, 100k. You have a phenomenal list in the 24 hours, and you have represented your country in the 24 hour race. Now they're all the good parts. You've suffered a lot along the way. Yeah. And being able to bounce back from that is just incredible. So, so I, I was just stunned when I was reading it. So uh, thanks for sharing your story. And like I mentioned to you before, I kind of thought that I knew you from being at some of these races, but I didn't really know you. And I would think there's a lot of people don't really, they just see as Paula, the runner and the good runner. They're not seeing Paula, the person or what you've actually been through to get where you were. And I think this is quite inspiring. And I'm hoping that at least one person listening to this, if they stay listening all the way to the end of it, because this is long enough podcast, but I hope they listen to the end of it. And this will actually start them on some kind of a journey to a healthier, fitter lifestyle, regardless of what condition they're in now at the moment. What do you think? I wouldn't have said the better way, really. Um, Yeah, anybody there, I I just want to say there's hope. There's hope for all of us. And, you know, we we can all, all do stuff and enjoy the life and... Yeah, do make most of it. It's only one one shot we have here, so go for it. And the human body is very adaptable and it can change. It evolves and it will evolve to what you do and it will adapt to what you do. And if you are hopping on your left leg all day, your left leg is going to get stronger. The bones are going to get more adapted to what you're doing. And the leg that you're not twitching off the ground is going to fade away and get weaker and the bone will get brittle change does happen and it can be it's very very gradual you might not notice it but i can guarantee if you start introducing some kind of activity into your life and make some small even a small change to what you're doing with your diet it might take you a while to notice it but i would almost guarantee that if you went to visit your doctor after four or five months that your doctor might notice a difference you might not always be able to see it when you look in the mirror but you because you can't look inside you your body will have a positive response to exercise unless there's some condition or, or barrier that's going to prevent you from doing it. But if there is something that is preventing it, maybe you, know, you should go and see your doctor beforehand. But for the most part, exercise movement does have a positive effect on your health. Any final words, Paula? No. Or did no. you already had your final words? Ah, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Let's leave it there, I so. Did. And what's next for you? Do you have a race planned? Are you just hoping for something? I'm just hoping, you know what? Okay. I I am just hoping any small races, anything at all, you know, kind of... Well, you're still running anyway. But before yeah. we were talking, you, you were doing yeah. that, one of your local runs in, what's it, Clare Woods? So Claire if anybody Glenn, wants to... Fo- yeah. Oh, Claire Glenn. Okay, so I follow you on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Paula Wright Runner. Paula Wright. Yeah. Okay, so if anyone wants to follow you, and I'm sure if anyone has any questions, they can tag you on Instagram and you might be yeah, able to give they can, some... they can ask general ones. I'm not a pro. So, no, 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 know. but you've lived it. You've lived it. You're, you're what yeah. we call a case study. Okay. You, you have lived it. This is a real story. And so yeah. that's why I wanted to try and share it a little bit. But again, I'm underqualified to be talking to you on this stuff. But we have tried to be honest with what we're saying. 
and you have shared a lot of personal information. You've gone through some of the barriers that you faced, how you've overcome them. And you said, if it can help one person, I'd be happy enough with that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, John. And thanks, Paula. And I will talk to you again. Actually, I, I spoke to you more this year than I, in this week than I have in all of 2020. I, I think so. Yeah. We are best buddies after this. Yes, yes. We, we, we certainly are. <laughs> and I look forward okay. to meeting you again. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Paula. Okay, now, if you enjoyed this or any of the other podcasts, you might consider leaving a review or pass it on to a friend. And until next time, thank you. Thank you.